Welcome to Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, the podcast where nostalgia comes alive. Since July of 2021, Jake and his friends have interviewed professionals in the worlds of acting, directing, writing, puppeteering, and many more. Who will they be chatting with in this week's interview? Find out in this Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show episode. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, where nostalgia comes alive. I'm your host, Jake Deffenbaugh. With me today, as always, our co-hosts, Chris Bixby and Matt Bingle. How are you guys doing? We're good. Hey. Good, how are you doing? Great here, guys. I'm doing good, as always. Good, wonderful. Good. And who wonderful. do we have today? Well, this guest we have today, folks, well, he is a broadcast veteran. He's a part of the voiceover, script writing, and narration industries. The most known work that he's done, um, he is he is the voice of Boris, aka the dad, for a Canadian educational children's series, Caillou. Here he is, Mr. Pat Fry. Happy to have you here, Pat. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. It's nice to be here. Because I heard somebody awesome. once say, my age is nice to be anywhere. We <laughs> 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 great to have you here, Pat. Uh, well, it's nice to be here. Did you, did you ever watch Caillou? Oh, I did, oh, yes. Oh, of yes, course. Of course I, I did. The, in I the did. background, I have the holiday movie. Oh, yeah. yes. Well, that was that was one of my favorite things to do because I got to do Twas the Night Before Christmas. I got That's to right. Do yes. Christmas uh, yes. that. And uh, I had done it myself years before and, and put it on Facebook because uh, it's a great poem. And, yes. you know, you hear so many different uh, versions of that poem used for advertising for comedy parody you know even politics and i and i just yeah. thought you know what i like to to hear a poem like that every once in a while done the way the author intended it to be performed if it's going to be performed and so i went ahead and recorded it and i and i put graphics of uh, old christmas cards and things like that and i put it up on on facebook or on YouTube, actually, to be more accurate, YouTube. And uh, I think it's still there. Um, and then uh, they, they came along and it was part of this film about Christmas that Caillou was doing. So the only difference being, instead of saying, it was the night before Christmas and all through the house, it was Boris. It was mm-hmm. the night before Christmas and all through the house. And so I did the whole thing. But I did it in two takes. That's me this time. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> uh, I did it in two takes, which they always, you have to do at least two takes of everything. Because I think that I had spent so much time on the video that I made. And so it was a great thing. So Christmas, Kai's Christmas movie. I, I was in the movies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Great to have you here. So, so to kick things off, we know who you are, but for those who don't, would you care to introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, yeah. So who am I and what do I do? Well, I yeah. uh, uh, I was born in Thunder Bay, which is kind of a cool thing to be able to say. You ever heard of it? Yeah. It's in, uh, like so. on Lake Superior up mm-hmm. towards, as you're heading west in Canada. Uh, it used to be called Fort William, and that's what it was called when I was born. And uh, But my family moved closer to Montreal, uh, in a small town in Ontario called Cornwall. And I was raised right around there. And uh, in, in grade one, I, the one skill that I had was I was very good at reading aloud 
and loud enough to be heard in the back of the classroom. And it propelled me to be the top of my class in grade one at that. I was useless at everything else, but I could do that. So it seemed like, you know, doing that sort of thing was my future. And um, so I let that carry me through school. And then in high school, I got involved in theater did some uh, interesting stuff there and uh, then i got into radio at the age of uh, about 18 it was the summer of 74 wow. uh, july 4th actually which would be uh the american independence day celebrations in 74 mm-hmm. and uh wow. so i got into radio started with the overnight show and moved my way up that way traveled across canada did some more theater lots of radio and uh, ended up, uh, well, I, I, I married my wife in uh, 76, the American Bicentennial. And uh, we traveled together across Canada for several years, working in radio and, and doing all kinds of interesting stuff. And uh, eventually settled in Ottawa, where I lived for 30 years. That, of course, the capital of Canada and uh, very approximate to Montreal. Now, my oldest son... Uh, his name is AJ. It's actually spelled A-J-A-Y. Uh, he, when he was about eight years or nine years old, was cast in Little Lulu and uh, Arthur, both. And wow. uh, so I would drive him from Ottawa to Montreal to record those shows. And I started to pester the talent coordinator to let me have an audition for something. And um, so eventually he did. I played a kind of a trick on him and it worked. And I got an audition for Caillou and nailed it the first time out of the box. So I could tell you a little story about how that was done if you're interested to know. Yeah, uh, of course. About that. Yeah. Okay, well, of course. First, what I did was I had been in radio and and back in the mid early to mid 90s we still used audio cassettes to um promote our voice talents and the um the talent coordinator in montreal a a lovely fellow by the name of andy grin he had a a big collection of radio station and tv station coffee mugs which um i had a collection of those too but only because I'd worked in radio and television in my career up to that point, I didn't really yeah. care about them particularly. They were just things that I drank coffee out of. So each time I would take my son to work on Arthur or little Lulu, I brought Andy a mug as a gift. So here, Andy, here, add this one to your collection. Then the next time, add this one. And about the fourth time I brought him the mug, I put the cassette of my demo in it. Now, they had a rule that parents were not supposed to work on, uh, you know, they were supposed to be stage dads or stage moms, and we didn't even get to go in the studios or watch them work. We had to sit out in the the lobby area where the chairs were and just wait. Hmm. Except once in a while, they pulled me in. If they needed a voice for something, for Arthur, there's a few times that I appear in the background. I remember specifically, I was a banker once and I, I had to make sort of a <laughs> sound. Another time I had to do 
play-by-play in a hockey game that was playing in the background. He's going up the ice, got the puck, he scores! Something <laughs> like that. And and but they couldn't pay me because I wasn't in the union. So they they paid extra to AJ. And then I could take the money if I had wanted to. I never did. But uh so anyhow, so Andy gets this mug and there's a cassette in it, and he looks in the, the mug and he kind of rolls his eyes and he goes, Well, I'll see what I can do. And I guess he might have listened to it. So sure enough, um, he he calls me and says that they're making this new cartoon called Caillou and they need a dad and I'd be welcome to audition. Now, at that point in my career, I had been spending a lot of time narrating e-learning courses. Are you familiar with what those are? Mm-hmm. Well, those are courses you take on the computer that come with narration. Oh, okay. So you you might at the same time that you're taking the course, if you have the narration on, you might hear somebody say, now take tab A and insert it into slot B. That's it. I mean, it's it's a job for you know guys who are looking for work as voiceover. And, <laughs> and there's still an enormous voiceover industry for e-learning today. I'm still working at it it's over 20, 30 years later. Wow. So um so I, I had done that. I did the audition and Andy walked me out of the audition. He put his arm around me and he said, Pat, you know, you tried really hard on that, but I think maybe you've been doing a little too much e-learning stuff, you know, so don't get your hopes up. Well, apparently what the process was, was that they, um, they had three people who listened to the auditions. They each had a clipboard. And the idea was they would write down on the clipboard the number of the person that they thought sounded good. After the first round of listening, they would compare notes. And, and the people whose numbers showed up on all of the clipboards, they would listen to a second time. But as it turned out, mine was the only number that showed up on all three clipboards the first time. So I was hired. That was it. So, wow. you know. Lucky me, I, I had uh, uh, nailed what was a real oh career gosh. changer. Now, what are the reasons for that? This is just fluke luck. But where I lived in Ottawa, right across the, the Ottawa River is the town. It used to be called Hull, Quebec. Now it's Gatineau. And they had a thriving production community. And um, when we first moved to Ottawa, I made it a point to go over to Gatineau or Hull and uh, get jobs, get work with the French production companies who needed to, to have an English contact who could do, for example, if they made a, a French TV commercial, but they wanted to put it on English TV, they needed a voice in English who could do the commercial and, uh, and also corporate videos, that sort of thing. They all knew who Caillou was because Caillou had been popular on French television and in, in French books uh for years so when i went back to them and told them i was now caillou's dad they were thrilled they you know wow you're you're papa caillou they called me papa caillou after that and it really (laughs) helped my career in that area uh as caillou's dad not to mention the fact that caillou lasted for several years i was in about 250 of the cartoons and which Although it's not a lot, every once in a while I get a friendly reminder in the mail that I love to cash. 
and uh, you know that's been a good thing. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. Um, my son AJ also uh, he appeared in one of the episodes. I don't know if you ever would remember that uh, they went to a um, this would be a space emporium where you could go in and, and look at the stars on the ceiling and yeah yeah I think so yeah mm -hmm. and, and, and AJ was the uh, the tour guide in that particular episode he provided the voice oh yeah wow oh, wow. Wow, he and nice. I've worked together on a number of projects and he works for me still uh, doing e-learning voiceover and, and other nice. things. Uh, he went on to host a very popular television program in Canada for almost 10 years. Um, it was called Inner Space and it was all about the, the genre of, you know, comic books and video games and uh, Dungeons and Dragons um, stuff all of that sort of thing, all the latest movie releases. He interviewed um, Steven Spielberg and he, wow. you know, uh, he called me once. Uh, he was on a beach in California. I think it was there. He had just interviewed Daniel Craig um, a few minutes before. They always send him to Las Vegas wow. to the big uh, shows and such. So he had a great life. Uh, I mean, he still is. He, I just watched him uh, playing an FBI uh, sort of a henchman in an episode of Accused. Um, oh, wow. Just the other night. Um, he's about, uh, he's going on 40 now. Wow. But uh, so uh, he and I worked together uh, quite a lot. Um, but that's how I ended up getting Caillou uh, was that little trick putting the cassette in the mug. Um, that was the, the idea. So um, I mentioned, um, I think, to uh, Chris that uh i've just completed a book yeah and that's it's right. basically stories like that nice. um that uh, i've written about there, there are many many of them uh, all not even caillou is you know uh, i suppose three or four pages in that book but uh there are so many things that uh, have gone on that the book is is uh, not published yet it's called media me and it's really intended as a suggested reading for persons who would be taking um, any kind of media course who want to get into the media as a career. Mm. Just something they could read That's to cool. give them an idea what a, a media career might be like. Mm -hmm. I only just finished it. Um, we haven't even got a publisher yet. However, um, it's been, been read by several people, one of whom is a big shot in Canadian media, um he'd never call himself that nor i really shouldn't either but um uh he wants to acquire the rights to shop my book around as a tv series Ooh, i know wow Ooh. oh my gosh oh, it's cool. not even that's published crazy. yet it's like yeah i'm still waiting for some what? people <laughs> i sent it to to get back to me whether they liked it or not <laughs> but um uh so i you know i don't don't know what to make of that but i i know this guy very very well i know he's well connected i know he's credible he's the real thing um the fact is i i did mention him in my book uh because when i was in grade two seven years old and he was in grade one six years old uh, we used to hang out together in the schoolyard talking about doing plays and being in the movies and being in television 
And he went on to become a, a, the artistic director of the Shaw Festival in Canada, among other things, and uh, many things. And uh, I got into radio and I've been in some films and some television series and such. So we both realized our dreams, only he's far more powerful than I am in the industry. I'm just a, I'm a softy, you know. <laughs> My biggest job in life was being the best dad I could be and the best hubby. Uh -huh. You know, that's just the truth of it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yes. my wife and I have been together for, well, we started to go steady in 1972. So you do the math. But... Wow. Oh, that's, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, that makes it 50 years. And uh, yeah, um, mm -hmm. that's great. That's it awesome. is. It's wonderful. You no, know, it's 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 the greatest blessing of my life, really. Oh, that, awesome. so. oh that's never wonderful. really felt that I had to get rich. Never did. I, my <laughs> right. life was rich enough. Yeah. So of course. You know. yeah. Of course. Uh, are you interested in? Are you aware that I was in some films? One kind of genre-ish. Yeah, I, I saw yeah. one. I saw one of your uh, uh, reels and saw like bits and pieces of some of the films you've done. Yeah, this mm -hmm. was, uh, uh, what's it called, War Zone or uh, uh, Punisher War Zone. The Punisher, that shot that was shot in, uh, in Montreal. And uh, I get killed, I get eviscerated by a bad guy in that, in that movie. Um, I, I had some small parts in some other ones. I've actually worked with two Academy Award winning directors in my life. Um, once in a film called Stardom, uh, the Academy, the director was Denis Arcand, who was a Canadian who had won an Academy Award for Best Foreign Film. And wow. uh, the other director, I don't recall his name, he was he, he had won the Best uh, Animated Short Academy Award, and he directed a, a commercial of Santa Claus uh, for Coca-Cola. And it was oh, animated. Okay. And they hired mm -hmm. me to be the body double for Santa. I was, uh, I weighed a hundred pounds more most of my life. I, I just in the last year, I've, uh, I've lost a hundred pounds. So, wow. But, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, it makes an amazing difference in your life. And none of you guys look like you need to lose an ounce. So that's all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stay that way. I highly recommend it. Don't <laughs> yeah. get better. Although I did make some money, <laughs> not much, but you know, because of the the weight thing, mm -hmm. uh, they're always looking for for the next Oliver Hardy, you know. <laughs> Definitely. So I'm kind of I'm kind of curious. So before becoming an actor yourself, did you have like any favorite TV shows or movies to watch? Well, yeah, I um, I enjoyed. First of all, I liked Lassie. Oh yeah, Lassie. Yeah, um, yes. The, the, with uh, they used to have Timmy and June Lockhart played the mom, and mm. and I used to watch that show, and I would think, gosh, that kid's about my age, and he's having a great time, and I think I could do that. I that looks like so much fun. It must be a great way to make a living or to have fun. So I I liked that show, uh, mm. but I also liked corny things too, like F Troop. I don't know if you remember that show. Uh, I think so. Yeah, it's in rings. Cavalry of out in the. Uh, then there was uh, Beverly Hillbillies. I absolutely would watch that every time, and um, <laughs> uh, to name a couple, I, I used to like the superhero. I loved my favorite Martian. 
Um, yes. That, that was, you know, that was one of my absolute favorites to watch. Bewitched. Anything that had supernatural stuff in it where you could imagine yourself doing magic. Uh, that was lots of fun for me as a kid. And, um, but nowadays, most of the time, it's my favorite programming is, is British murder mystery drama. Uh, I watch as much of that as I, as I can. I don't know why my wife and I enjoy that together. We watch it together. And, um, and I, I watch sort of weird off the wall stuff. Like I, I never miss an episode of ancient aliens, not because I believe everything that they say but there's a lot of really interesting archaeological stuff in it i'm, I'm a, a sucker for archaeology stuff and uh, science um you know uh, how the universe works that sort of thing um sci-fi star trek star wars movies seen everyone the mandalorian all of those you know and i and i keep an open mind a lot of people are critical about that stuff but i uh no, I just want to watch it and enjoy it. They're the they're the guys who who own the right to tell the story. So tell me the story. I'll just sit and listen and enjoy it. <laughs> I, I'm not a you know, I'm not too picky or finicky on that. I just want to be entertained. Uh, so that's it. Um but yeah, I like I like a, a good broad variety of things. Life is an amazing thing. It offers so many options so many choices uh it, it's a good idea to try to to sample as many as you can i think you know as far yeah. as we know we're only here once right as exactly. far as we know. Yep. Yeah. so you know it's good to experiment a little bit and um you know i i've watched really all kinds of things i love musicals um yes. anything you know almost <laughs> um i'm not a big fan of uh you know the survivor um kind of competitions oh. or yeah or me like neither that. it's not yeah. really something yeah. i could ever get into i don't i don't i, I used like, to be big on big brother but not anymore i used to be like yeah honestly, into those type of shows but i was just i just kind of lost interest in it. not yeah. a, not as not as much as i used to be yeah right? yeah no interest so. change over time yeah. Oh yes. I, I, mm-hmm. I know. I know that one of you are in, in Massachusetts and the other guys are in Maryland. But I'll, I'll tell you that any opportunity I get to watch Yankee baseball, that's another of my things. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, yes, I do love baseball. Nice. Watching sports. Yep. Yeah, hockey, of course, yeah. too. Up here. Too. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Hockey's big in Canada. Yeah. Well, my grandfather <laughs> yes. used to have season tickets right behind the penalty box at the Forum in Montreal back in the 30s and 40s. Oh, wow. And, wow. Uh, so we were, it was like a religion to my family to be Canadians fans. My, mon- my mother was from Montreal. Oh, my my father was from Britain. He came over during the war, yeah. uh, Second oh. World War. Uh, he was an airman, and um, he had to pick up airplanes in Montreal and fly them back across uh, to Europe in North Africa. That was his gig. And wow. uh, while in Montreal, um, he met a very pretty girl who was playing the records and doing the announcing at the officers club. So I guess you'd say she was kind of a disc jockey. So in a sense, I took out, I took after my mother career wise <laughs> and became one of those. But um, so uh, uh, anyhow, um, 
my father was not, he didn't know anything about hockey when he arrived. And, uh, but boy, could he ever play soccer? <laughs> well, being from Britain, pardon me while I take a swig. That's okay. No worries. That's okay. So what else about Caillou would you like to know? If there's anything <laughs> I can tell you there. I can tell you a funny story. This is, this is sure. you know, one of the things yeah. uh, about doing Caillou was, of course, I had to do Caillou's voice and read script. And I, as I said, I'd been able to do that sort of thing since grade one. Um, I'd led the way, you know, you may have an experience like this where your teacher um, had a sore throat or didn't want to do the, read the story after lunch before the school started again. And she'd hand it off to a, a student. I was the guy they always gave it to. Um, and, uh, you have to forgive me. I've lost my train of thought. I was going to tell you a story about. Don't remember. It's gone. I uh, use a word here. Senility. <laughs> it's just gone. There was a story I was going to tell you there. Hmm. Well, maybe as we go on talking about Caillou, maybe it'll jog your memory. Yeah, but... maybe. Yeah. Maybe it'll oh, come back. There it is. Okay. So, ah. yeah. Caillou, they put out a, a record, uh, like a, a song CD. Yeah. Oh, I... yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I get a call. They want me to show up at a studio in Montreal at a certain date at a certain time, and I'm going to have to sing a song. And that, when I was in school, I couldn't sing a thing. I had been cast in a musical when I was in grade nine. Musical was Bye Bye Birdie. I couldn't sing. The, the musical director at the time said, man, you are tone deaf. Uh, <laughs> I could speak out loud. I could do presentations, voices, comedy, all of that. Couldn't sing. So I'm going to this recording session in Montreal, extremely nervous. Uh, I don't even know what I'm supposed to sing. So I get there and the music, the music director is there and he, he says, so did you get the music? Did you get the recording we sent you? And I said, no, but was I supposed to receive a recording? And yeah, of course you didn't get that. No, why didn't they send this guy? Why didn't this guy get a recording? doesn't matter anyway, but I did the best I could. You know, I swallowed my shyness, my nervousness and belted it out as best as I could and, you know, got paid and um, waited several months for the Caillou music CD to come out. There was, I think, one song, maybe two that dad was on. So eagerly get the DVD or the CD, pop it in the CD player and listen to my song and instantly realized that the music director himself had covered my voice. I wasn't there. My name was on it, but it's not me. So if you ever hear the Caillou music CD, that's not me singing. I can uh, guarantee you of that. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a bit strange. Mm, yeah. Well, uh. you know, they. what would you do? I mean, I was probably off key and lacking any confidence and everybody else was really good. Um, now, instead of doing in when I was in Bye Bye Birdie in grade nine um, and I couldn't sing, we turned that into a comedy opportunity. So uh, I would walk out and do my little singing bit intentionally off key, intentionally comedic to cover for the fact that I couldn't sing so we could get a laugh. You can't do that with Caillou, really. Not that kind right. of a, a product. So I didn't resent the fact that they had done that. I found it to be kind of amusing and and funny and, uh, you know, uh, 
I think it's yeah. a boot actually uh, that they did that. So, so that was just one of the the Caillou stories that that we have. Yeah, a tragic yeah. one of uh, Jackie Linetsky. Are you familiar with her? Yeah, yeah. she uh, she she yeah, yeah she she was I think the second voice of Caillou. She was the second, and um, she was a a very lovely girl and came from an extremely loving family. And that was uh, that was a great tragedy. Uh, to uh, lose her, uh, not just to lose her for Caillou, but you know, it's tragic that she uh, was just uh, very heartbreaking at the time. Now, shortly after that, when we started recording Caillou, the first couple of seasons, we did it as an ensemble, everybody in the in the studio together at their own microphone, but all together where we could relate to uh, each other. Uh, then, after Jackie passed away. Uh, we would go in individually and I would record, I drive up to Montreal, record my lines and then somebody, they'd record their own separately. And um, then they cut them all together and, and put them in. Uh, and then by the time it ended, they didn't even have me go to Montreal. I would go to a studio in Ottawa and the director would be in uh, Toronto and the producer would be in Montreal and we'd all be hooked up and I'd do my, my voice there i didn't have to travel which was really very nice wow <laughs> and uh, that's as close as i got but um so you know there's a bit of a backstory which you have you ever heard of a, of a canadian kids tv show called mr dress up i don't think so it was uh it was hosted by a man named ernie coombs who went by the name Mr. Dress Up, and uh, it was a, a show for young children about the same age as those who would watch Caillou. There was also a show in Canada for many years called The Friendly Giant, and that was hosted by a man named Bob Hum. That was on. It was, it was so long ago that I watched it as a child, and it was wow. the first gig that I ever wanted because even as a five-year-old, I knew that this man had to retire sometime. And I wanted to be the friendly giant. I wanted to do children's programming. And I kept that in the back of my mind for quite a long time. Now, fast forward to about 1982. And uh, I'm in Lethbridge, Alberta, in a play, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, the Shakespeare play. I was playing Puck. And uh, so I'm in full costume and it's dress rehearsal day. But Ernie Coombs, who is Mr. Dress Up, now the big Canadian toddlers tv show uh i just bump into him underneath the uh, the stage at the dressing rooms and we have this wonderful conversation me all in total costume as puck and i told him how much i wanted to get into children's programming and uh so again 1982 and he said listen if you're ever in toronto um you should come to one of our 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 shooting days at the studio now, that could be idle talk, but he said, if you come to Toronto, and he gave him the coordinates, the man's name I should call, and he said, do it. Well, as it turns out, we put the play on at the University of Lethbridge. Some professional people took me aside, and they said, look, um, you really don't need to be in university. You're, you should be acting professionally now. And I'd only just started. I only, I only started university well, the, the audition for Midsummer Night's Dream was the first day of university. That was my first day of university. So now it's like the end of October. 
and I have to go to my coordinator, my uh, educational coordinator, who happens to be the director of the play, and say to him, listen, these people are telling me I should be a professional actor right now, and that I don't really be, you know, I don't need to be at university. What should I do? And he said, well, uh, I have to tell you in all honesty that if you want to be an actor, I see no difference between you and a fourth year graduate right now. However, if you want an education, you should stay in university. Hmm. And I said, okay, you know, thank you for that advice. And then he said, but I think that the assistant director can probably be more helpful to you. So I went to see the assistant director of the play. She was married to the guy who was the stage manager of the play. And they were from Toronto and had been out in Lethbridge, Alberta, working to make money. Theater people need to find gigs. And they said that they had subleased their fully furnished three-bedroom apartment in downtown Toronto to some actors who had just skipped out on the rent. Would you be interested in a fully furnished three-bedroom apartment in downtown Toronto by any chance? And I said, hell yeah. (laughs) So, besides, you know, uh, Psychology 101 wasn't really, you know, turning out to be as interesting as I thought it might be. Mm. So we piled everything into the car and uh, hightailed it across to Toronto, where I started to take acting lessons from a man um, who, uh, he ended up being the smoking man in the X-Files. Any of you ever watch the X-Files? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. A little bit of it, yeah. There was a smoking man who was kind of an FBI agent. Um, William Davis was his name. And he was my acting teacher. And uh, he he was very enthusiastic about my skills. Um, So, anyhow, I'm not sure where that story began. But, you know, all of that will be in my book. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Fantastic. So, taking a... a step back a little bit i guess you i guess you kind of mentioned it do you remember what your first acting jobs were paid ones or just acting um i guess i guess professional yeah professional yeah right let me think on that uh acting and getting paid well possibly Oh, I, I imagine I did some extras work or uh, I might have had a line or two in the Ottawa production community. They they used to make a lot of sort of uh, movie of the week kind of stuff. Now they, they they're an absolute hotbed for these Hallmark romance movies. That's all in Ottawa. Of course, we moved out of Ottawa about seven years ago. So I've been missing all those gigs. Mm-hmm. Um I had been in a, a TV commercial. I think it would have been in uh, Northern British Columbia when I was working in radio up there. I was hired to be a guy eating a slice of pizza in a commercial. Hmm. I probably got paid $50, but it felt good, you know, as I think that might have been my actual first on camera paid job was that. And um, so then, you know, probably. Uh, yeah, a few of these little movies and things in the Ottawa area. Um, I was uh, was once paid, I think it was around six hundred dollars to 
entertain about eight or 10 people at a dinner party who were introducing a new kind of Mercedes-Benz car in Ottawa. And they, I was just told to go and entertain them. And so I, I, I decided to impersonate our prime minister of the time. His name was Jean Chrétien. And he talked with a really French accent, eh? And uh, so I went to uh, see these people and uh, tell them a bunch of jokes about uh, Canada and politics in Canada. And But <clears throat> um, now I was very overweight and I wore a Hawaiian shirt and blue jeans. I did not try to look like the prime minister. <laughs> yeah, but so that was fun to do. I, you know, paid a, a few hundred dollars. Um, so I had little gigs like that. But there was, there was nothing before Caillou. There was nothing you know, really too significant. The, the the Shakespearean play was a university play. It was not a paid gig. And, um, but in Toronto, I ended up, AJ was born in Toronto, our firstborn. And then we ran out of money. And uh, I was offered a job as an afternoon uh, drive announcer on an FM rock station in Halifax. Oh, wow. Right when we ran out of money. And so I took it. And we lived in Halifax for a while, and uh, I shifted from on air into commercial writing, running the creative department. And uh, that's, I, I haven't been on the air as an announcer ever since. Hmm. So uh, I, I really got more into writing, ah, and performing, and nice. that sort of thing. Nice. Awesome. So, so I know the Caillou fans are probably kind of wondering about this but can but can we hear a bit of boris you could um let's see if i've got i might have a script for something i could read here oh oh wow this is a poem the last poem i just wrote this is probably a couple of weeks old and uh it's it's let's see if i can do it as boris it's called my weakest poetry the weakest poetry i've ever written I've assembled too fast. The first thoughts that came to me should have come last. The emotions that inspire the words from my soul arrive jumbled and tangled, and, and I fall short of my goal. I work them and retool them and make sure they're rhyming, always conscious of the fact that it's all about timing. The theme to my verse, assembled to entertain, lands as a supper plate ort from a crusty old brain. Yet, when I pull the sheet and read it aloud, at first I'm impressed and I truly feel proud. Then I read it again to find I'm not as sure as I was. This poem now seems weak to me and I think it's because the weakest poetry I've ever written has been assembled too fast. The first thoughts that came to me should have come last. <laughs> you like my poem? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was yes. wonderful. Yes. Uh, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, I write one or two every week or two. Um, some of them are better than others. That's a that, that's one of my weakest. <laughs> I wrote a poem about weak poetry. <laughs> I try to keep a sense of humor in my life. You know, right? Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah. Course, good to I do concluded that. a long time ago that you know you get one, and I, I just don't let myself get bogged down in, uh, you know, I maybe people think I'm being naive, but I'll give you an example. I have a niece, 
very, very activist niece. And she called me oh, a year or so ago at the height of a lot of this political tension. And, and she said, I heard a rumor that, that, you know, you support President Trump. And I said, what? Like, I have to know, do you support President Trump? I said, well, first of all, I don't generally discuss politics. Second, I don't think President Trump needs my support. And third, I'm a Canadian. I can't vote for him anyway. So, you know, I don't, I, I don't have, like, I don't even know what this is about. But it's, it's people like that, the politically, uh, I mean, excessive, that have driven me to ground to where I say, you know what, life is too short. You know, I, I'll vote, I, I, I vote in my election. But uh, another example, I have another nephew who runs a politically oriented podcast. And on Facebook the other day, he posted something about his MP voting um, for, for something that our prime minister is pushing. And I don't even know what it was. And now in the writing that I'm in, our um, representative, his name is Tony Baldinelli. That's Baldinelli. And he's absolutely as bald as a cue ball. And I always thought that was kind of funny. So what I wrote back to my nephew about this was, I don't know how my MP is voting on these things. His name is Tony Baldinelli, and he's as bald as a cue ball. When he was in high school, his name was Tony Mullatinelli. <laughs> He had to think about that, but that's my attitude. I'll just make a joke about it. I'm more like, I guess, Chris Rock than Will Smith. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Oh, my goodness. Uh, so do you have any favorite episodes of Kind of You? Um, well, the one that my son and I were in together a bit, uh, I suppose, comes to mind. Uh, but, you know, they really weren't aimed at me uh, content-wise. Right. And I liked any one of them that that um, came with, uh, you know, a union paycheck. So that was pretty – that's really <laughs> – it made a big difference uh, in our lives. The first house we bought, we used to refer to it as the house that Caillou bought because, uh, you know, with that uh, income, we were able – it changed our lives, really, you know, mm. we, we, pays very well to do that sort of thing. And there's not a lot of effort. Um, but no, I, I, I honestly don't. I have a whole box full of actual scripts still that I keep from the show. Oh, that's cool. My Ooh. notes are in them. Huh. I, I don't know that they have any collectible value at all for anyone, but they're there. The Christmas one I know for sure is, uh, is, is in the box. The Christmas Christmas movie. Movie. Hmm? Yeah. 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 It was called Kai's Holiday movie. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's 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 awesome. It uh, it did make a big difference. Uh, that's for sure. That's yeah, for sure. yeah. So so now on the subject of the uh, holiday movie, I know we brought it up at the beginning, but what was it like recording? Get get in and do a Christmas special for Caillou. Well, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah, I can you know, tell. It, obviously, you, you, you get into the Christmas spirit. Of course, it's probably July or something when you record it. But the thing that, that really made it sing for me was the opportunity to do Twas the Night Before Christmas as Caillou's dad. 
And because I thought that might yeah. have some staying power because the movie still is aired uh, uh, some places around Christmas yeah. season. Yeah. That's nice. Think, but, you yeah. know, I had a, uh, a, I've played Santa Claus a number of times. And in Canada, for yeah. a period of five years or so, between about 19, or I should say 2015, 2014, and 2019 or so, uh, up here at Canada Post, and, and I don't know what it's like in the States, but in, in Canada, uh, they use volunteer contributions of labor from their, their staff, the Canada Post staff, to process letters to Santa Claus from Canadian children, and they'll send an answer back to everyone. So wow. they made this very wow. expensive commercial um, at a beautiful log resort, uh, this beautiful resort in uh, Quebec made of logs. And um, so they they had me play Santa Claus. And yeah. uh, so yeah, I had I can, I the tell, beard I can, alone. I can hear a little bit of a little bit of you when you do that. So, so well, the the beard alone cost three thousand yeah. dollars to have custom made. Wow! And I mean, this was a big budget what? commercial. And for five years in Canada, every Christmas season, I was the guy who was on camera as Santa Claus. Now I didn't say anything. They used someone else as the voiceover. It's some guy saying. Yeah, this is where you send your, you know, your letters to Santa Claus, and we'll send a letter back to you, that sort of thing. But it wasn't my voice; I was just Santa, and uh, that was really one of the, the more memorable things that I've done in my career. Particularly because of the, I, I had just been in a film prior to that uh, called September Runs Red, and it was a psychological thriller, and I played a um, an autistic man, yeah. except that I wasn't really autistic. I was a doctor pretending to be autistic so as to set up a, um, a situation for the, I guess you'd call him the villainous doctor. Mm. And um, so that was the, the material that the director of the Santa Claus uh, commercial had sent to his clients when he said, I want this guy to be Santa Claus. And they looked at me as this autistic guy. And it, on my website at patfry.com, you can see some of this stuff, P-A-T-F-R-Y.com. And you'll see the, the Santa Claus thing. And you'll also see me in a segment from this movie as the autistic man. Well, Canada Post said, he's very scary. You can't really mean he's going to be Santa Claus. And the director said, no, he'll be fine. He'll make a great Santa Claus. And... Um, you know, I, I think I did. They, they you know, every, everybody who saw it seemed to like it. I leave <laughs> that up up to you. You know, um, exactly. but it it uh, it was. I always enjoyed that. Then I played Santa Claus. Now another big project I've done recently. I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but on this is a um, an online series called the Paper Puppet Playhouse. Any of you ever heard of it? I don't it's, think so. It's basically they took old traditional um, nursery rhymes like Jack and Jill went up the hill and the three little pigs and mm -hmm. uh, little red riding hood and um, sort of retold them in sort of a modern kind of sassy way without being offensive towards small children, because that's still who it was aimed at. Right. And I got to do all right. of the voices in this huh. series, all of the characters. Oh, wow. And uh, cool. again, that led to me being Santa Claus and two other 
cartoon series that were made by the producers of the Paper Puppet Playhouse. So I've done a lot of Santa and uh, and uh, these other doing the nursery rhymes was was so much fun to do because I got to do all of the voices. Finally, um, after I had been cast as Caillou's dad, I had been offered the opportunity to do all of the voices in another cartoon series that was going to be called Peter Piper and the Plain People. And uh, I would be the character, the main character was going to be the, um, the, the, the signal tower uh, at the airport. And the signal tower, he would tell stories about uh, like a Piper airplane and its adventures. And I was going to be, I was going to be the teller of the story. And then I would do all of the various other characters as well. And um, then someone else, I think it might have been uh, one of the royal family from Britain produced a, a cartoon series about a Piper airplane. And so that uh, they beat us to it. My mind was canceled. Uh, Darn. That would have been so much fun. So then later, uh, about six, seven years ago, I was cast to do this uh, Paper Puppet Playhouse. Now, why is it that Peter Piper in the plain people became uh, the paper puppet playhouse uh everything starting with the letter p um but there you go i'll tell you that 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 was as much fun really in many ways as caillou was of course caillou i was always boris and boris was always this wholesome happy wonderful dad yeah i took i took yeah. it seriously you know at the time if you wanted to look at cartoon dads you had Homer Simpson, Peter Griffin, and other goofballs. And I thought Caillou's dad gave me an opportunity through Boris to try to impart to some young people what a dad should really be, what my uh, dad was. Uh, you know, that uh, uh, a wholesome, he cares first about his kids, he's there. Um, you know, he helps out with the, the the stuff around the house. I believe very strongly in that sort of thing. And I, I totally loved the fact that as Caillou's dad, I could at least try to impart some of that wholesomeness, an alternate take mm -hmm. on what a dad should be. Because if you yes. think of it, if you're six or seven years old, and your introduction to what a dad is, particularly because there are so many father absent homes today. So you're looking at television and Homer Simpson is going to tell you what a dad is supposed to be, or worse yet, Peter Griffin is going to tell you yeah. what a dad is supposed to be. Uh, and, and there are others. When I was a child, of course, the one that I, I never liked Fred Flintstone. I liked Barney, Barney was okay. But I never liked Fred Flintstone at all. I thought he was a big, loudmouth bully. And I never liked him. So uh, when I got to be Caillou's dad, I didn't have to be that. I could be, you know, what I tried to be to my own kids. And, uh, you know, that's worked out all right. That's worked out all right. I have uh, a son who's in Kelowna, British Columbia. He's, uh, uh, you know, he's in the high tech field and doing all right out there and has a lovely lady. And, uh, Awesome. And AJ's still in Toronto, and as they say, still acting around, doing voiceover work and awesome. stuff like that. Awesome. Awesome. So um, 
This is good. Okay, this is very interesting. So, besides your own, do you have a favorite Caillou character? Um, well, I I liked Caillou, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, Boris liked Doris. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think I would have to say, you know, I I was happy to meet Caillou, and uh, you know. I thought uh, most of my interactions were were with Caillou, um, so it's it, you know there a lot of the other characters were kind of transient, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. I have to be honest. After I voiced them, there's a lot of them I probably never even watched, you know. Right? Uh, yeah. You know, it's not like I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna sit down and watch some Caillou now. Well, of course I would tune in if it was on. I'd watch it. Right. It, it made me a bit of a celebrity in my own extended family you know mm-hmm. um but uh, not as much as aj my son he always was a bigger star than me uh, just because of his character and uh, mm-hmm. uh what a wonderful kitty he, he was my son was was caillou in many ways oh huh so yeah yeah gilbert is him yeah yeah gilbert, yeah, gilbert's awesome too gilbert's a funny character <laughs> oh yeah well that's true uh yeah you know, rosie could be cute at times too yeah you know, little things and you know, then like but... yeah and then like gilbert d- doing some funny stuff and then kai would be like gilbert yeah, yeah. that's right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, good yeah. or something so now now recently and we we talked about this briefly when uh when i first booked you but um so recently caillou's been revived what, what are your thoughts on it making a comeback well it, I think it, it's probably a good thing. It's a kind of inevitable. Everything, you know, goes around, comes around, as they say. Um, it would have been nice if they had given me a call and said, hey, you want to do that again? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but uh, yeah. I think it's made in the States. I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's below the, the border. I think so, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it's mostly for internet use. Yeah. Um, but you know, why not? That's that is that's entertainment, folks. That's that's you know, that's the business. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I wish them the best of luck. Um, you know, we had a bad uh, thing happen to us in the first season. And that was that Caillou being a new entity, uh some of the writing made him look like a crybaby and a whiner. Yeah. 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 had a problem with that. Yeah, so, especially the um the um the circus. Yeah, circus one. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He um. He, so they parents didn't like that. But and the ca- and the Caillou's was, um bit like where the other um, episode where Rosie debuted too. Like yeah, like the one where Rosie's born. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Caillou. The, yeah. the the memory of those episodes stayed with parents. And you'd be surprised how many times that I'd be in a conversation, a group of people socializing, and somebody wants to introduce the fact that I was Caillou's dad. And they'll say, uh, are you familiar with the cartoon Caillou? And so like a mom or something, go, oh, I hate that show. And uh, <laughs> I kind of slink away, you know, like, um, and <laughs> that happens a lot, probably more often than I've heard. Oh, I love that show. You mm-hmm. know, you don't hear that too much about Caillou. Now, the thing that I know is that they were very aware of that after the first season. And after the first season, they shifted the writing and 
there is a lot less of the whiny Caillou. There's more of an exploratory Caillou. Yeah. So they yeah. did make an effort to change, but the mold had been passed. And Caillou has always carried that reputation around as being a whiner and a complainer. And um, it's, you know, maybe not deserved. But at the same time, uh, we also, if you had looked at the demographics, Caillou was popular. Its most popular demographic were children between the ages of about three and six. And then the demographics returned again with girls aged about nine to 14. Now, you might ask yourself, wonder why that is. Well, that's because those girls were watching the show, we believe, the theory is, to learn parenting techniques uh, because they were now babysitting children. So as okay. babysitters, they could watch Caillou, mm -hmm. see how Caillou's mom and dad dealt with circumstances of a difficult situation, maybe with a okay. whiny baby or a whiny child. And so they could learn um, skills that they could bring to their babysitting first and that ultimately they'd have as a parent later in life. So I always found that to be uh, a rewarding aspect of working on Caillou as well, that it, it did have educational value to at least one demographic section of the, uh, the viewership who could benefit from that sort of an education. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. So are you still in contact with anyone from Caillou? Uh, well, uh, Kai's mom, Doris, is uh, we're Facebook friends. We don't talk all that often, but uh, otherwise, uh, nope, <laughs> not really. They were most of them came from Montreal. I was in Ottawa, ah. and uh, mm -hmm. I don't even remember anyone else from Ottawa. There, there may have been Jonathan Konskin was uh, in Caillou. Uh, I don't recall the role he played. Uh, he was from Ottawa. His father's a great, a great stage actor, and I. I think his name is John Konskin. And, uh, but uh, no other, other than that, um, obviously uh, the Caillou was always played by, by girls, little girls. Right. And mm -hmm. um, um, so now the grandfather uh, was played by a man named George Morris. And he was a legendary voiceover guy in Montreal. He'd been a radio announcer in Montreal. He was a big star. And uh, he unfortunately passed away a while ago, but it was a great honor for someone like me as a, as a, you know, I was never really a superstar radio announcer. I was a journeyman at best. Uh, but for me to have an opportunity to just meet him and, and hang out with him yeah. for a while was, uh, was pretty cool. You know, uh, George Morris was his name and uh, he played Caillou's grandfather. Now, Harkening back to your recent question about the American series and uh, the remake, uh, it, it occurred to me that I that first of all that AJ would now be great to play Caillou's dad. He's now almost exactly the age I was when I was cast, oh, and that wow. I could do granddad. Hmm. You know, because he would say things like, "Hey Caillou, would you like to go to the park?" You know that sort of thing. And and hmm. I figure, well, hell, I can do that now. I can I can sound old. Why? I am old. So, and, uh, AJ would be just the right age to be Caillou, but alas, you know, um, it wasn't to be at this point. 
What about what about the person who took over Caillou from Jackie? Are you still in touch with her? Uh, actually, you know what? This is the weird thing. I met her once, oh, but wow. by the time she took over, um, we never recorded together because at, at first she would record her lines separately and I would record my lines separately in Montreal. And then, as I said, the last season, I was uh, I didn't even have to go to Montreal. So um, I think her last name was Boivard, uh, Annie, I think. But I believe I only met her once um, ah. at the beginning of the first season she had been hired and they assembled everybody and uh, and I met her. She seemed very nice at the time, but I really don't remember much about her. And I bet ah. she wouldn't remember mm. a thing about me. Now, I know that the, the first Caillou... Um, and I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but I know that she's gone on to a big career in media in Toronto. Oh yeah. Bryn, Bryn McAuley. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she's done very, very well. Um, even after she left Caillou the first season. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And, um, and, and since, you know, I mentioned about, you know, people who, you know, you just don't touch with anyone who works in Caillou. And previously we, we actually interviewed a couple of people, that they work on Caillou, which Tim got Tim Gosley, who only did the puppeteer for from um, the DD the squirrel, just only for the um for the puppet segments. Yeah, and, and then and then uh, Danny Brochu, who of course most famously voiced Buster on Arthur, did mm-hmm. some work on Caillou, and then Holly Gautier Frankel, mm-hmm. who yep. and he, he, he did the voice of DD. And the one that I met, the one that we talked about briefly when I booked you, uh, Bruce Dinsmore. Yeah, Bruce Dinsmore. Yeah. yeah. You see, there most of those people I think are from the Montreal area. I was an import, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so mm-hmm. I never stuck around very long after recording sessions. Other people were working. It wasn't, you know, it didn't turn into a kind of a social club or any of that. I would hop in my car and head home. It was ninety minute or an hour and forty minutes down the highway, yeah. often in the winter. So if you had a chance to get home and beat the traffic, uh, getting out of town, I would do that. Um, people were very nice, though, obviously. Um, nice. You know, it was a very professional organization, and mm-hmm. um, that was all very good. But I never really got to know these people. Like, I'm sure that Bruce Dinsmore would have done a Caillou gig of some kind. He's a big, big voice in Montreal. Um, you know, as I said, he's a superstar, really. And oh, yeah. uh, um, so there'd be him and, and uh, you know, other people who had been brought in to do a, a role here or there. And some of these guys were working on Arthur, of course. Um, AJ got to know some of them a little bit when he was working on Little Lulu and Arthur as well. And um, my other son, Mickey, was in a movie called, oh, gosh, now, what was the name of that? The Last Unicorn or Nico the Unicorn, I think it was. Have you ever heard of that? Nico the Unicorn, it was shot in the Montreal area. But so my younger son had a role in that. And, and he also did a little bit of work as well uh, when he was a kid. Nice. Um, nice. But he got more into baseball. Uh, the, the younger boy, Mickey, he was named after Mickey Mantle. And uh, and uh, he actually was scouted by the uh, New York Yankees at one point. He got a letter from the Pittsburgh Pirates Aww. and was scouted cool. by the Blue Jays. Oh, so wow. that was very, uh, unfortunately, he had his eyesight. He lost the the ability to really read a, a ninety five mile an hour pitch. Mm. You can't read a, a ninety five mile an hour pitch. You're never oh going to play in the majors. No, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, also since you, like you mentioned sports during the interview, I, I forgot to tell you back. But since you're um, you said that your um, your father, your grandfather, like, played soccer. 
Yeah, my father was he played he didn't play professionally. He played right, but right. even a even industrial league um level soccer player in Britain playing soccer with a bunch of uh you know uh, amateurs in Canada, he could make them look pretty foolish uh on the <laughs> soccer pitch. And, yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah, my dad is also also used to play soccer like during like, high school and all that. So in in Britain, <laughs> no, no, like around like the mm -hmm. um, like around like the, the uh, like 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 said before me. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I live in Maryland as yeah. well. So you know, he's I had an opportunity to play soccer. I, I would have made the team for sure, but uh, I had to make a choice between um soccer practice or driver's education and since my family yeah. lived eight miles outside of the town and i was uh, 16 and i wanted to be able to drive into town you know borrow my dad's car once in a while uh, i opted to get the driver's license instead of play for the soccer team my best friend joined the soccer team and he had a great time uh he oh, lived awesome. in the town and he was from britain he had lived in uh, britain for 10 years and uh, he wasn't from Britain. He was born in Canada, but lived in, he lived there for 10 years. And he went on to play for the high school soccer team and uh, had a great time. But I never did. Um, mm. I had uh, gone out as a place kicker for the football team. And mm. uh, but the, the football coach was uh, also my phys ed coach. And while we were playing touch mm. football in uh, our phys ed class, um, and I knew that he had a really bad sunburn and he had the oh. ball. And I touched him just a little bit too hard on the back. Slapped his back. Ooh. And so when I went out, everybody knew I could oh. kick field goals, you know, and uh and I had I had great length and depth and all that. So oh I went out gosh. to the football tryouts, strutted out onto the field. His name was uh, Brian May, the, uh, the the teacher. So I strutted out onto the field. I said, "Hey, coach, what uh, what position should I try out for?" You know, wink, wink. Everybody knows I'm going to be the kicker. <laughs> and he looked at me. He said, "Volleyball." <laughs> so I I left the field with my tail between my legs, and that was my uh, the end of my football career. Uh, oh no. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me and my twin brother all, all, all do. Both of us play soccer as well. So, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great sport for staying in shape. Yes. You know. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I love soccer. I have a. I don't know if you can see it. I'll try to get my uh, New York see Yankees up, up there, the top baseball, corner. Yeah. You see a bunch of drawings of soccer players all across the top. Yeah. Oh wow. Mickey Mantle. Yeah, there. I saw that's that. cool. So oh, wow. Oh, oh wow, you have like a picture of, of Boris too. Oh yeah, I see. Oh, that. that was actually done by a friend of mine, an artist friend of mine. Wow, that. that's really good. Mm. That's cool. That's cool. That's over on that side, eh? Yeah, I do uh, I yeah. yeah, I do watch yeah. a little bit of professional soccer, but but, yeah. you know, play, but, but, but playing is just more fun. Well, <laughs> that, that picture was done by an artist friend of mine. And if if I had it closer, you could see. I don't know if I can get it closer now. My cable's too short there, but uh, she has Boris sitting in a replica location of. Geez, I have to make everybody seasick there for a second. Um, <laughs> no worries. She has. Uh, she placed Boris 
in my studio. You'll see there's there's my microphone mm -hmm. is there. All of the artwork that was behind me at the time in my old studio in Ottawa is there. Wow. So instead nice. of putting me in there, she put Boris in my chair, which was yeah. kind of cool. Except she, no, you know, yeah, Boris is Boris. No, right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's one of my favorite uh, souvenirs of the experience. Oh, that that's wonderful. Yeah, awesome. So, so, aside from Caillou, some of your on-camera acting TV roles include the series "The Mystery Files of Shelby Wu" and "Misguided Angels." What were those shows like? Oh well, "Misguided Angels" was um, a one season-long comedy, a situation comedy about two angels inappropriately sent to heaven who are sent back to earth to do good deeds and try to earn their wings. And it's set in a trailer park. The lead actor is Kevin Farley, and that's Chris Farley's younger brother. That's right, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. My first day on the set, I went up to him and I said, you know, hey, you sure look a lot like Chris Farley. Did anyone ever tell you that? And he looked at me and said, he's my brother. And so... <laughs> Everybody says that, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, so my role, I played uh, angel art. So I was in the heaven scenes and I was an angel and I was described as, um, I don't know if any of you ever watched Seinfeld. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's a character in yeah, yeah, Seinfeld heard, yeah. called Newman. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was the Newman of the angels. So I was the guy always pointing out the rules and, and that sort of thing. So it was, it was a fun role. At the same time I was shooting that, my son AJ was in um, uh, Big Wolf on Campus. And he had a, a recurring role on that. And they were shot in the same location in a big uh, soundstage area that was divided into two. One, one for the um, uh, Misguided Angels and the other for Big Wolf on Campus. And there was actually a time when we would be both working at the same time. And it was in Montreal. So we had to drive there from Ottawa about 90 minutes. And uh, so there I was in, in my show on one side and he was in his show on the other side. And, and I'll tell you, as a parent, uh, that is pretty cool. You know, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So Misguided Angels sure. lasted one season and it was, uh, was okay. What was the other one you mentioned? Mystery Files of Shelby Wu. Now that was uh, shot in Montreal also, and um, I was in. I had a speaking role in one episode, I think maybe two, but I was. Uh, I had to play the tuba in a scene in a train where all of the guys who played the tuba were massively large, uh, oh. obese men, and so you can imagine the the comedic slapstick of moving four big tuba guys named the Tuba Four. Uh, through a, a train car in a mystery that was set on a train and uh, it, it was again it was it was kind of fun although I believe that was the time that uh, uh, one of the actresses uh, nobody of note um, while I was waiting was wondering why do they hire actors from Ottawa to be in shows in Montreal and I think she resented the fact that I you know, I've come from Ottawa to be in this uh, film, but um, I guess that's just professional jealousy. Maybe I, I don't know, um, but that it was okay. The uh, the lead actor was was pretty good in that, and it was funny. The uh, the sweet blonde heroine like girl um, off the set smoking like a a sailor. 
<laughs> the really real actress. That's true yeah. of Ernie Combs, Mr. Dress Up, too. This is a funny thing, because I did actually get to Mr. Dress Up's, um, his, his shoot in Toronto to his studio. This is the, the, the guy from that show in Lethbridge that said, if you're ever in Toronto, look me up. Then I left Lethbridge and went to Toronto. I did look him up. He introduced me as this guy who wants to get into children's programming. And then, of course, several years later, I'm in Caillou. And in fact, I obviously, I was in children's programming. But they've never made Friendly Giants, so I've never had a chance to do that you know, mm. since uh, that show. Definitely. So you mentioned earlier you had done some film work. Are there any films that stick out to you as your favorites that you've appeared in? Well, there was an independent film called September Runs Red that uh, that I that, that I played this autistic man, a doctor portraying an autistic man within the plot. That was fun to do. Uh, I was in um, this um, Punisher War Zone, in which I got eviscerated, and uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a, a really interesting shoot. Um, I was in Stardom, and uh, the first movie I was in was actually a French-language film called Le Dernier Souffle, and that means the last breath, mm -hmm. in, if you translate it. Uh, and um, so in that particular one, I had to play a Southern, um, it's, part of it is set in uh, Arkansas, and the detective from Montreal, uh, played by uh, a local heartthrob by the name of Luc Picard, um, he, his character has to go to Arkansas to look for um, evidence of a murder. And he wants to rent a room in a motel. Now, I was invited to come up and audition for the part of a, um, a cop, uh, like a, a redneck cop. Actually, that's how they described him. And... Um, so I had one line that I had to learn in order to do that. And the line was, hey, Sarge, over here. I still remember it. <laughs> anyway, so I drove to Montreal to the audition. I was dressed in all blue. I got lost, but I managed to get to the audition in time. And I thought, how am I going to get noticed by these guys? So, you know, the competition to get a part with four words or five words is pretty high. So I went in and I told them a story about getting lost. Now, you have our largely French-speaking people and uh, who are at the audition. and they're, they're bilingual. So I walked in and, and gave them my best Southern accent. <clears throat> and it sort of went, well, I got to tell you, when I was on my way over here, I took a wrong turn on the auto route, took me all the way across this bridge. And I'm driving over there. I didn't know where I was. But I managed to get over here in time. And they, they started to laugh. They were slapping their knees. So uh, then I left. And then they called my agent a couple of days later and said, listen, we, we want Pat to play a motel owner. The, the original idea was for someone else, but we've expanded the role. And uh, so that was that. So I went up there. It was my first day on the set, on any set that I'd been on of a, of a movie. And of course, my agent had said, you know, eyes and ears open, mouth shut, you know, make sure you don't screw up. And uh, so I was there doing that. And uh, the director 
uh, Richard Chipko was his name, he started to pace around the scene. He was looking very concerned and, and I'm doing my thing. I'm behind the counter and, you know, not doing anything, just watching, waiting for the next instruction. <laughs> and he, the director's walking around, she's pacing, he's going, I, I don't know how to end this scene. I don't like the way it's written. I don't know what to do. Uh, oh man, I can't think of it. Well, of course, I'm a writer. And I, <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, yeah. well, do I say anything? Or if I say something, am I, you know, what, is this going to ruin my career on my first day? Am I going to blow it completely? Or should I, should I say what I'm thinking? So I thought, ah, the heck with it. I'm going to tell him. So I said, I, I have an idea. And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, really? What's your idea? So I told him it's in the movie. He used it. <laughs> And so, and, and that little scene is in my demo that's on my website, patbry.com. Yeah. Uh, so that was my announcer voice. So <laughs> I actually wrote the little scene that I put there. Now, the next movie I was in was called Stardom. And uh, it was pretty cool because it was a movie uh, that was directed by this uh, Academy Award winning director. And they actually shot it in my hometown of Cornwall. Um by pure coincidence, and I played a, um, a kind of a, a TV host, a small town TV host, interviewing you know so, sort of social events. And in this particular yeah. scene, um, I was supposed to be interviewing a cameraman who had discovered this beautiful model. And again, the director starts to pace around the scene and he's going, oh, I'm not happy with that line that uh, he's saying. I, I, there, I, it just doesn't seem to work. I don't know what to say. Now this is my second movie. And, and I'm sitting there, this is a, a, an Academy award-winning director. And I thought, well, do I or don't I? Oh, it worked last time. So I said, I, I, I have an idea. And he said, so what's, what's your idea? And I told him, and it's in the movie. He used it. So I was two for two uh, right away with you Oh, my guys. gosh. And, you know, that's, I think, pretty impressive. It's certainly yeah. memorable, you know, um, to do that right in your own hometown. And then the beauty of the thing was when I finally got around to doing my part. Have any of you ever heard mm -hmm. of a, a comic actor by the name of Bob Newhart? Oh, yes. Yes. He used to be in uh, in the Bob Newhart show. And um, there was uh, the psychiatrist one. Anyway, they used to call it the button-down humor of Bob Newhart. And uh, <laughs> so as a host of the TV show, I decided to channel Bob Newhart. Because um, I figured, well, I don't look like Bob Newhart. Nobody's going to know that's what I'm doing. I'll just be Bob Newhart. How could I fail? And, and 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 so I I I'm I, I'm interviewing these these guys and I and I I'm you know doing the whole sort of Bob Newhart thing twice they had to cut because the the, the crew was laughing so hard at what I was doing oh. two cuts <laughs> to, to compose themselves including the director it was oh very gosh. very cool you know, to, uh, to do, to do that twice, right in my own hometown, right on main street. It was right on Pitt street in Cornwall. Wow. It, it wow. was in a, it was in a storefront, but it was still there, you know, mm. pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah so those were, I suppose, two of my best movie experiences. Nice. The first nice. movie line that I ever had though, 
was, yes, Your Honor, we find the uh, we find the defendant not guilty. Thank you. Thank you very much. Send me a check. <clears throat> <So we're good. laughs> yeah. yeah. You wait around for eight or ten hours until they call you to the set. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, you know, and then, yeah. And then you get out. You say your one line. It's okay. You're God. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. All right. Already done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> done quite a few uh background roles you know we're just you know because uh, it pays very well if you're in the union mm -hmm. and you can get paid two or three hundred dollars a day just for standing around eating the food from the craft table and you know wow. tell it i had one scene in a movie as an extra where they placed me honest to god behind a pillar absolutely couldn't be seen i'm thinking am i that bad really <laughs> <laughs> what is, what's the point of that but it was, a, my wife and I used to do that together. Um, we would make kind of like a date, you know, so if we would be on the same set, some we wouldn't necessarily sit together. There mm -hmm. was a movie recently, uh, a few years back, about with, um, it was about miniaturizing people. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, he played, he played on Mars. Uh, he's from the Boston area. Um, Matt Damon. Matt oh, okay. Damon was in a movie. Okay. What about getting small or uh, shrinking people down? Do you remember that? It was just about five or six years ago. It came out five years ago. I don't ago. think so. Um, you don't remember that one? So there's a scene in a bar. Matt Damon is in the bar, and everybody's watching this report on television about the ability of scientists now to shrink people down to a tiny, tiny size. And um, so the director is giving me instructions. He sits me right in the front row. And um, so the director comes up to me and he says, so yeah, you're going to sit here, you know, uh, from Cheers. You're Norm. You're Norm. And some, this is the only thing Matt Damon said to me. He leaned in. He goes, yeah, you're Norm. Yeah, you're Norm. Oh, yeah. okay. Everybody knows my name. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. So, so with, so, you know, Garson with voiceover, you also done some radio work. How did radio come into play for you? Well, um, I was, uh, 17 and it was summertime. Wow. With my dad happened. I was 17 to last year. So no, no, it was, it was the summer of uh, 74 and my I was just hanging around the house, not doing much of anything. And uh, my dad knew the owner of the radio station in Cornwall. And they, um, huh. uh, and he asked him if there, he knew that I wanted to be a radio announcer. Um, and uh, so he asked the owner of the radio station if there might be anything there. And the radio, the, the owner of the radio station arranged it so that if I was willing to work overnights reading the news, um, for the overnight radio announcer who hated reading the news, the overnight radio announcer would teach me how to be a disc jockey. Um, in exchange for that, no pay. I It was a, an internship. So if I was willing to spend my overnights all summer long uh, reading the news and being there every night, um, they would teach me. 
So by September, I had two shifts overnight. I was doing the overnight Friday and Saturday night shows. And within a couple of months, I had a full-time job overnight. Within about six months, I was doing evenings. Another six months later, I was a midday host and backup morning man. And uh, so I did that for, I was in radio for about 10, 12 years. Um, moved across Canada. I worked in Western Canada and uh, I, on the West Coast in a town called Kitimat, also in a town called Prince Rupert. I worked in Lethbridge, Alberta. I worked in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I worked in Toronto and I worked in Ottawa. So I've been all over the country. And oh a lot gosh. of that is in, in this book I've written, actually, traveling everywhere doing radio. But my favorite job was making commercials. Um, I, I like nice. doing that more than anything. Nice. Um, oh, yeah, awesome. Doing character voices and, and yeah. also doing the straight, straight cell stuff too. Nice. You know? Nice. So, awesome. so overall, what do you enjoy most about working in the acting field? Uh, I think it's the, the opportunity to, um, to play. You know, I, I enjoyed yeah. playing as a child and that's really all that acting is. It's just playing. It's, you know, role playing. You take a role. And now serious actors, you know, Meryl Streep will put all kinds mm -hmm. of layers and technique and stuff like that on there. But I've never been that level of an actor. I, you know, I have character roles and little things that I can pretty much do with my hands tied behind my back because I don't really have that much um, training. I have you know, the residue of a very creative childhood, um, you know, left over. So uh, to me, that's the best thing about acting is, is the fun. It's the, it's being able to play and to create something and contribute, you know, absolutely. to that with other people that are like-minded. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yes, Definitely. For sure. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about your work in the past. Can you share any projects you're working on now? Well, um, in the last few years, my main um, work has been e-learning audio. I started off doing the voice. Oh, yeah, and the, and the book you're, you're doing as well. Well, I wrote the book. That was something to yeah. keep me occupied during COVID, you know. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, but with the uh, – so I, I, I opened a company in 1999. It's federally incorporated. It's called webvoicer.com. And through that company, I produce audio products, mostly for e-learning. And um, in that, um, either I or people that I hire or contract will do the narration. And then I produce it and send the files to uh, high-tech companies who are, or educating companies who are putting together e-learning courses, which they then sell to people who need those courses. And right now... Um, I'm working on a large project for a company in Newfoundland, which oh, nice. I'm not voicing, but a, a lady in Kitchener, Ontario, who is a uh, news reporter, uh, she records that at her house and sends me the audio. Then I post-produce it and prepare it and send it to the client in Newfoundland, and they integrate it into their e-learning courses. At the same time, I'm working for a company out of Toronto on another project which um, is, has already been done in English uh, using a, a presenter and then two character role players in English, and they needed to have a French version. So I located the French talents. Um, one of them is in Montreal. One of them is in 
uh, Gatineau or Ottawa. And the third one is in Toronto and they're all French speaking and they're recording their parts at their houses and their home studios. They're going to send them to me. Then again, I do the post-production and final preparation and I'll send it to that client, which is in this case based in Toronto. So that's basically what I do now uh, for the most part. Uh, I don't do a lot of voiceover work myself. Um, I'm sort of out of style and, uh, yeah. And uh, not necessarily because of the age, but uh, right. uh, my most recent voice job was a public service announcement uh, for the Ottawa Cancer Foundation, which I was very proud to do. Uh-huh. And uh, it, I thought it was some of the best work I've ever done. Uh-huh. So that was only awesome. last uh, fall, last autumn. But uh, um, no, I, I'm 67 years old now, you know, and uh so I've had plenty of time and I've done plenty of work and I suspect mm-hmm. I'll have plenty more to do. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's, like, there's also things, you know, that you, know, you just want to move on doing other things too, you know? Sure. Sure. Well, you know, if, if uh, somebody actually manages to turn my book into a TV series, God knows what that's going to be. <laughs> That'll be something. I mean, it will be, but mm-hmm. you know what? I've had enough yeah. near misses in life to, uh, uh, you know, to not put too much stock in it. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I haven't told you about, uh, I, I, when I was working in Halifax, um, I created a game, a board game. Oh, and wow. uh, hmm. it was very, very well received. The owners of the radio chain, uh, the, the chum chain, they were called at the time, uh, they had the Canadian version of what was MTV. And it was called Much Music. And uh, so I invented a board game all about ha- being a rock star. Uh, in, so you, as you play it, you're a rock star, and it takes you through your, your whole career in a competition with other people. The people who own Much Music liked it a lot. They said they might like it to be the Much Music board game. Now, you can imagine what that would do for my career had that worked out. It didn't. They decided to go with fashion instead. So we took a shot at MTV, New York City. They said, come on down, show us your prototype. And I took, we took it, we flew down to New York, showed it to the guy. He said, yeah, this is great. This is, uh, you know, we've seen lots of rock board games, but this is this one that's absolutely the best. Here's what we're going to do. Here's some art pieces. He gave us some art to work with. He said, go back, get your, your packaging redesigned with our MTV logo on it. Finish up the last little things that you have to do and come back and we'll take another look at it and put something together. So I'm walking out of there from, from MTV in New York city going, Holy man, I can have the MTV (laughs) board game. That's way better than the much music board game. (laughs) So I got my artist. His name was Jacques Levesque and he lived in Hull, Quebec. And I'll never forget his name because Jacques Levesque is from Hull, Quebec. Uh, so, (laughs) uh, So Jacques gets the artwork all done up beautifully and everything. And so everything's ready. I call MTV and I ask for the guy and uh, they say, oh, uh, he doesn't work here anymore. And then I told them why I was calling. They said, not, no, nobody here is interested in a board game. And that was it. I hung up the phone. I went, what? What? Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, when you have a close one like that, yeah. so move forward to about uh, – 10 years ago uh, and I presented another game invention to a game company and uh, 
within six minutes of seeing it, they offered, they wanted to know how much I wanted for it. And uh, we ended up making an agreement, a small contract, a beginner contract. They gave me money up front, uh, a little pile of money. And uh, they, they went off to produce it. They produced a prototype. And then uh, after it was supposed to be on the market in the year 2014, um, and uh, had it been, you know, I'd be wealthy now. But uh, uh, they they gave up on it for some reason or other. Mm-hmm. So I missed again. Um, uh, so, mm-hmm. But after a while, you know, you kind of realize, you know what, this wasn't meant to be. And the truth of it is, if I had been a person who had uh, less in my life than I've had, I could see possibly, you know, being disappointed. But, you know, the truth is that my life has been wall to wall blessed from the time, you know, I suppose I was born. uh, I, my wife and I are still best friends. We get along great. We do so much Uh things together. Um, It's just terrific. Uh, I have two great sons there. They have great mates. Um, You know, we live in Niagara Falls, Ontario, one of the best places in Canada to live. Oh, my gosh. I open my window. I can hear the falls, you know. Oh, wow. Um, We moved down here seven years ago. Um, You know, touch wood, uh, I've had good health. I've lost about 100 pounds in the last year, which has really changed my life in another way, you know. Wow. There's life has just been really really good to me and i have not got the right to complain and besides uh i still haven't even touched the money they gave me when they made the contract about that second game it's just sitting in the account i'm thinking well i'm not sure i'm going to use that money yet so it's not that i'm rich i'm not you know wealthy i'm not a wealthy person but i just have a life that i cannot complain about all i got to do is spend 30 seconds thinking about other people on this planet who do not have anywhere near the lives that we have. And, and if you narrow it down even further, uh, there are even people in on this continent who do not have the life that we have. And there are people in this country who do not have the lives that we have. And there are people in this city who do not have the lives that we have. I have no right to complain or to consider that I have lived anything less than an inspired and and uh, privileged life and that's all there is to it and so i'm basically you know a happy fulfilled guy and uh full of blessings you know mm-hmm. yeah um, having said that i would say that i uh i i'm not a religious man i'm uh but i'll tell you very it's right. a beautifully inspirational story yeah, i was sitting watching my the younger son the athlete play Mm -hmm. basketball. He was playing for the highly competitive team in the Ottawa area at the time. He was also an amazing basketball player as well as a baseball player. And I was sitting next to um, another couple of parents and our sons, their son and our son were out on the the court playing and and they were buddies. And I leaned over to the man. His name was Winston Cumberbatch. I said, oh, Winston, aren't we lucky to be sitting here watching our kids like this? And Winston leaned into me and he said, Patrick, you shouldn't say lucky. You should say you are blessed. And I thought, 
you know, I, I just, that stayed with me. And I got thinking about it and I'm thinking about it and I'm going, yeah, that's, it's an amazing way to look at life. It's one thing to say you're lucky, but it's really something if you can say you're blessed and mean it. I don't know who's blessing me, but I'll accept it and I'm thankful for it. I'm well, a blessed person. You know, your blessing can mean like anything. You yeah. Know? Yep. As yep, long as you're, you know, think so like positive about something that's yep. that's happening in your life that you know that you're gonna be you know blessed you know blessed you know, forever or cherished or something you know i have so. i have family blessings i've had opportunity blessings i've had travel blessings i've had career blessings i mean that's, they're just so many that's that's wonderful yeah absolutely i feel met... like you have a blessing life that you that you, that you have you know yeah yep it is. That's what, matter, that's what matters most. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I feel like I've been blessed to spend some time with you guys. Oh, yeah. uh, thank you. Us too. Thank you. Thank you. Us thank too. you. Appreciate us it. Too. Yes. Us too. So, um, so yeah, we have like few few questions left before we. Yeah, we're, right. clo- we're close to wrapping up. Yeah. Far, so far away. Um, I'll have another sweet. <laughs> okay. No, no worries. It's tea. It's tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine be like, are you drinking wine or something? Like, <laughs> uh, you know what? No. The Niagara region is known as Canada's wine region, and I I do not like wine. Uh, not since that bad Friday night when I was seventeen. I'm sorry. I just no, I can't drink it anymore. Oh uh, yeah. Fire away. <laughs> yeah. So, as an actor, what are some of the biggest challenges you say that you faced? during well, your career i think you know what it's going to sound career. really basic but it's learning your lines and you know and making sure that you know them and you yeah. don't blow it mm. you know and uh so what happens if you like because what happens if you like oh dang i mess it up i, I yeah to keep on doing the whole thing all over again that you well, just, if you've ever been on a movie set you get an idea of how many people are working there and and, and the power of a director and all of the people. Now, when mm-hmm. I was doing um, Misguided Angels, we were shooting a scene one day, and I was in an angel outfit, so I must have been blessed that day. Um, and uh, I had wings and everything. It was pretty cool. So we're doing our scene, and all of a sudden, we hear, bang, 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 from off in the distance. Director yells, cut. Who is that? Tell that person to stop hammering. <laughs> like, okay, that's fine. So we're back into it. All right, get set, everybody. And, you know, it takes a couple of minutes for everything to get set up again. All right, action. We're in again. I'm at a chalkboard giving some information to the to the angels. And it's, you know, talking away. And all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. But, but the director says, find that guy, fire him, and get him off my set. So then, so we're standing around as they're getting things organized. And they actually, a perp walked him through the set so we could all see him being taken away and taken off the set and he was gone wow and uh you know that uh, that was pretty cool that was the same day as i was driving up from ottawa to montreal and i went over an overpass oh it was a winter day and all of a sudden the right window the passenger side front window of my car imploded i honest to god thought arnold schwarzenegger was swinging in feet first from a rope into my car <laughs> and I left my car at the parking lot of the movie set. I told them, I said, I've got to drive back all the way to Ottawa. And I, my window is smashed. Anyway, spent the day on the set, went back out to my car, and it had been 
completely sealed off with plastic and taped up and totally secured. I didn't ask them to do it. Uh, nothing. They just did it. That's the power of yeah. a professional set. So when you're on that set, you better be prepared. You better know your lines. You better know what you're doing because really in the, in the, the, the larger scheme of things, almost anybody could do the part, the kind of parts that I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm certainly, even though I work for a couple of Academy Award winning directors, right. I'm a long way from an Academy Award myself. That's <laughs> yeah. never going to happen. You know? Oh my gosh. Not my thing. I do it for the fun of it. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like what you say, you know, some, you know, you know industry, like you have to be like, kind of like be like, all right, you can do only one take and that's it. You cannot retake or something like that. You know, that's right. Like, so you, like like what you say, you know, you have to be prepared for something, Absolutely. especially if you're going to be part of like a like a professional business like that. Yeah. Well, so. you know, in my in my life, I I, I developed a um, a philosophy of business, which I call the three B's, and they are huh. be there, be good, and be thankful. And it's basically, you have to be there totally in the moment, make sure you're aware of what's going on. You are there, you're part of it. You're doing what you're asked to do. You're doing it the best you can. That's the be good part is so you be there, you be good. And then when you're done, you be thankful and you let the people know how appreciative you are because many of the jobs I've gotten in the industry, there are, you know, dozens of other people who would have loved to have that opportunity and they didn't get it. I did. So I better be thankful that I was the one who was chosen for that job that day. So be there, be good, be thankful. That's my three B's of business. Yes. Uh, definitely. I, think, I think those are great. Absolutely. Definitely. So now for any up and coming actors, what piece of advice would you give to anyone who wants to get into that field? Um, well, if you've already uh, realized that this is what you want to do and you love it, um, decide what um, level of acting that you want to get to and then chart a course and stick with it. You know, if you believe in that, that's what you're going to do. Now, in my case, I never believed that I was going to be the next Marlon Brando. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking more along the lines, maybe John Candy. Um, but uh, so I never really studied a lot of, about acting. I just relied on for what for me was natural instinct. But if you really want to be an actor, um, I think that, you know, you you should study uh, it and commit uh, to that. Um, open yourself up to the experience um, and understand that the performance that you're giving is the character. It's not you. And yes. uh, because one of the things that restricts people's ability is, um, I, I think, a certain degree of shyness or intimidation at exposing themselves true acting is all about exposing yourself and i don't mean in the purient way i mean you know emotionally uh for example if you've got to play yeah. a very um outraged person you need to look inward find your own rage and how you uh handle that rage and then wield it appropriately well, not everybody wants to expose those kinds of things. But if you're truly going to be an actor, you have to decide the type of actor you're going to be and then prepare yourself 
for, you know, bringing the truth to your work. So that's, to me, that would be the, the thing you have to do is understand that you've got to be, you've got to bring truth. You've got to expose yourself. And sometimes that may be uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. I, I, think, play, yeah uh, I think that's a great advice. Yeah, I had to play a gay man once and uh, you know, I, at first I was a little bit reticent and, uh, but I thought, you know, it's acting, you know, I'm, I'm acting. In fact, he's in the, uh, he's in the demo on my website. He's a, he's a, wearing a black leather jacket and a cap. And, um, you know, it was okay. I put it in my demo. It's there, um, you know, you know, it's acting, you know, that's, you're creating art. It isn't that's... you. It's what you can do. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't, you're not like a character. It's a character doing the character. And that's the way you did, you know, for Boris and other yeah. things too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, if Patrick Stewart can play a gay man, why couldn't I? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, yes. so now turning the tables, what's the best piece of advice you'd say you've received as an actor? Uh, well, let me just think on that one for a, a minute. Um, well, I, I think it's probably that. It's probably to be prepared, to you know, to, to, to be there in the moment and, uh, yeah. um, you know, to be prepared to know what you want to do and to be open-minded to doing that. Mm -hmm. I, there was one day oh, doing Caillou where the director, I, I just couldn't get the line right. And she, you know, I had to do, it was like 10, 12 takes. And wow. I was getting embarrassed because usually I got it in two, maybe three takes. And um, after about 10 or 12 takes, she said, I give up. You're not going to get it. And she moved on. Mm -hmm. I remember that moment more than almost any other um, one in the entire time that I've recorded. You know, I mean, I remember generally the fun and the joy of being there. But I remember specifically that moment when um, maybe I, I wasn't as ready as I could have been. And so, um, you know, you, you have to be in the moment and be prepared and be ready. And there, there are a lot of people who are relying on your success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great advice. As well. Definitely. So, definitely. So, so, um, are there any words would you like to say to those who are watching or listening who have supported and of uh, support your work and of Caillou over the years? Well, the, the first one, just immediately, I'd want to say thank you very much. Um, you know, for our pleasure being a, a, a viewer, <laughs> a watcher. Um, I hope they enjoyed it. I hope it brought them some value in their lives, even if it was just for the moments that they were watching it. I hope they feel that it was a, a, a positive part of their lives to do that. And um, so that that's that's about it, I guess. Really, thank you very much for being there to validate what I did. Awesome. Um, awesome. 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 Yes, our pleasure. Our pleasure. Bro. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> as, so, as, so as we're kind of wrapping this up, if people would like to connect with you, where can people find you? Well, I, I, uh, my website, uh, patfry.com. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you can look at my material there. I think there's probably an email link from there. If you wanted to, to do that, uh, I'm on Facebook, but I don't know that it's, I, I think it's a restricted, it's not open to everybody to get in there. Hmm. Um, hmm. that's it. Um, and come to Niagara Falls. I mean, 
you know, it's a good place to be if you want to have a vacation. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your website will be in the description down below, so people can check yeah. out your website and things you've done and everything. Yeah. Webvoicer.com is my professional one, but that's really okay. there's not much there, you know, character wise or anything. Okay, 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 okay. If, if you want to, we can put that website too. Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yes. The book, um, I don't know. I'd like to see maybe in a year. It might take a while to come out. I don't know whether I'm going to yeah. be doing. I'm going to publish it, self-publish it. Uh, obviously, having somebody seeking a TV deal could really help the publishing, getting a publishing deal for the book. And uh, so there's that uh, to look forward to, maybe in the future. Definitely. Maybe. Absolutely. Awesome. Definitely. So. So now to wrap, to wrap this up, this last question we asked to all of our guests at the end, which Matt is going to take us out with. With pleasure. So, of course, this podcast is called Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. When you think of nostalgia, what do you think of? Or how would you define the word nostalgia? Oh, I, I think it's the joy you get from your favorite memories. And uh, also from the clues that, that take you there as they're represented by uh, such things as, um, let's say, a, uh, um, a Beverly Hillbillies lunchbox might remind you of that TV show, or a Dukes of Hazzard um, uh, matchbox toy or hot wheel car might remind you of that if you're into that. Um, I think that, that I, I had... My father used to teach me mathematics using our kitchen clock uh, in the mornings oh. while we were preparing to go to school. He'd ask me questions oh, wow. based on the numbers. And mm -hmm. I remembered that kitchen clock. And just after we moved to Niagara Falls seven years ago, we were in an antique store and I saw the very same clock, not the actual one, but the same model of clock that my father had taught me when I was seven, eight years old or six or seven when he would quiz me on math. So, of course, I bought it. That is nostalgia to me it's in my uh -huh. uh, my sunroom at the back i actually had to put the hour ahead on it yesterday i had it right in my hands mm -hmm. and of course i thought <laughs> of my dad in those mornings in the kitchen uh -huh. out on the farm uh -huh. that's what nostalgia is to me it's when you can touch a positive memory from your past or be reminded yes. of it in some way musically <laughs> visually Something. yeah definitely i think that's a great great yes, great, yes, great, great end on. well pad thank you so much for being a guest this was a blast yes thank oh, you so much thank, to be asked. Yes, thank, yes thank you so much pat and you know yes. like what i always say you know thank you so much for being be, you know, being, being a part of, of our childhoods yes yep. yes that's all about to say chris <laughs> and, and, nice. you know, and, and yeah and, and i thank you for you done be a power child to so keep up a great work and see what's next for you yep. all right <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 uh, um, and Boris, do you have any last words? <laughs> um, this has been great fun, guys. I only wish Caillou could have been here, but you know him; he likes the playground. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I think you, I, I'm, I'm glad Famous. you have. I'm glad you have a blessing time with us, and, and yes. you too as well. And hope yeah. you have a blessing day. <laughs> yeah. You too. Yes, yes. And to all of our viewers and listeners, this brings another episode of Jake's Happiness Nostalgia Show to a close. We've absolutely enjoyed our time with Pat Fry. Yes, thank you very much, Pat. It'd be appreciate yes. it. It's an honor. And from all of us to all of you, remember to keep nostalgia alive and we'll keep see you next time. And see you next more time fun bye -bye. Yes. Take care, everyone. See you next time. Bye bye. Bye. See you, Nostalgia. Bye. bye. Thank you for tuning in to another wonderful Jake's Happiness Nostalgia Show interview. 
Be sure to follow Jake and the crew on social media and stream the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And as always, remember to keep nostalgia alive. Bye-bye.